I got a girl with a mind on love The kind of love that is dangerous It knocks me down but I get back up Hey everyone, welcome back to Kevin and the Wu-Tang Clan Emergency Podcast Edition. I have Hejun. It's been a while, Hejun, back on the podcast as we talk about Mauricio Pochettino getting sacked by Tottenham and Jose Mourinho in to replace him. Uh, So welcome, Hejun. What are your general thoughts on all this stuff going down? In the span well, of two days. So we're recording this on a Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time for all you England, U.K. fans out there. Um, 9.30 Eastern time in the U.S. And Jose Mourinho has been announced and hired earlier um, today. Um, just a lot of rapidly moving parts. But, Hedjim, what are your general thoughts on it? Yeah, so first of all, it's great to be back. Um, I know it's been our, a while. Yeah, our times haven't aligned really well. Um, it's it's been a rough couple months for me, but uh, yeah, but great to be back. Um, and we can definitely talk about football. Uh, my thoughts, I I was really shocked. Like I thought it was a like a like a some sick kind of joke, right? Like sick joke. Um, it really like. Uh, yeah, like, it, it was really weird seeing that, like, that news. And I don't think it's right to uh, say the termination or, like, getting sacked. It just doesn't feel right because uh, he's done so much for the club, right? And he's achieved so much. Like, Tottenham was, like, a mid-tier team at best before Pochettino. And he achieved so much while he was there. And I just I just can't believe how quickly everything escalated. Um, and, yeah, I just wish wish him the best. I'm sure he'll find a better club. Um, I bet, like, Ole's just kind of, like, sweating right now. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, I mean, and then Jose getting brought on so quickly, um I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that because it just seems like Levy was wanting to do. He like wanted to do this for a long time, and he's just looking for the right opportunity. Yeah. Um, and like Jose, now he's been on Chelsea twice. He's been at Menu, and now he's at Tottenham. Like I feel like Chelsea fans will, won't like that, um, and like Menu fans, obviously he. He's such a character, and like I'm sure he'll take a dig at like Manchester United and Chelsea, like as the skipper of of Tottenham. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's that's like my general thoughts. I don't. It just doesn't feel right. Like, well, yeah, I I I think one of the things that I wanted to talk about were was just like the amount of success that he had on the field, even though they they went trophyless under his tenure, didn't win anything substantial. Um, and came in second place multiple times in the Premier League, that was so much further than where they previously previously were before they hired him. And, like, there was just, like, the AVB era, Andres Villas-Barros. Like, 
there was just like a lot of like turmoil before he ended up coming in to solidify the situation there. And then that culminated in the Champions League appearance, uh, final appearance against Liverpool uh, last season. Um, but even during that press conference to leading up to the game, he was playing really coy about like whether he was going to return. There's a lot of rumors about him maybe heading over to Real Madrid um, to possibly take that post over there. Um, but he was playing really coy there. And it kind of made me wonder whether or not he had mentally checked out from this year. Um, and it kind of looked like that, at least to start the year, um, especially with where they are in the table right now. They're currently sitting in 14th place um, and definitely not positive results at all. Um, and they've really struggled through, I would say, a third of the season, uh, the first third of the season. So it just makes me wonder whether or not his like ideas got a little old um, in terms of like the way maybe he rubbed some of the players the wrong way. And there was some reports coming out that that's what ended up happening um, with some of the senior players, maybe like, I don't know, someone like Jan Vertonghen or I'm, I'm just kind of speculating on the names, yeah. but it seems like, some of the older veteran types of players were getting sick of his ideas and the, the performance on the field hadn't been, hadn't matched up to what they had previously shown in previous years. Plus I think like we can't go without talking about Daniel Levy in this situation and the way he pretty much didn't support the, like the reinforcements um, that Pochettino was asking for in previous years. Um, they did a couple things this year in getting Ndombele and things like that, but they hadn't really supported him in a way where they're bringing in big money transfers um, that maybe he asked for. Um, but he, it kind of just showed like how amazing uh, he was and his coaching staff was in developing talent. Um, yeah, think about I mean, all the all the guys that he developed. Yeah, and like I, I think it was a culmination of like uh, like Ericsson wanting to leave. Like he was definitely testing the waters there, and he definitely doesn't seem like he wants to be at Tottenham. Like his his form has degraded so much uh, that you can like everybody's calling him out on it, right? Um, and like Deli Ali getting injured, Yuri's getting injured. Like there's a lot of things. It, almost seems like a perfect storm. But the weird thing is uh, Tottenham fought so hard to keep Pochettino at this that spot. Yeah, yeah, this offseason. And now they're, like, letting him go. Like, there's something that we don't know for sure. Um, and I would love to see, like, what actually went down. But, yeah, like, he got no support. Um, there, there were basically, like, zero signings, like, Midfielder, like, we didn't, I mean, they didn't really need it, right? I think what they really needed was, like, a strong defense that yeah. could back up for Tungin, um, on Arthur Viral, um Even though the right fullback. Yeah, the fullback positions kind of took a hit over the past couple of years, I would say. Yeah. Especially with Trippier leaving and then just being like, all right, we're going to just go with Serge Aurier, who hadn't proven as much. Right. 
So it just seems like nothing online since the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. Even though a lot of players do seem to love him, right? Like there's there's Harry Kane, there's Son, um, there's Deli Ali, and yep. Yoris, right? Yeah. Um, and I feel like he had so much love for the club. Like I still remember the the, the part where they were zooming in on Yoris and Pochettino at the end of the uh, Champions League final. Mm-hmm. And they're just like hugging it out, and you could see Pochettino like bawling his eyes out, right? And he has so much love for the club, and like for everything to change so quickly like that, I don't know, man. Like that, that just seems like I don't know. Yeah, and it's yeah. kind of interesting, like having this conversation with people that aren't as familiar with like English football, because the manager turnover is fairly high in ter- and yeah. fairly quick. Um, like if you're literally struggling and have a bad stretch of games, like they're literally calling for your head in the English media, whether it's warranted or not warranted, you know? And I think it's really interesting. Like when talking with friends that aren't as well versed in English football, that they get kind of like, they're like, didn't he just make the champions league final last year? Like, aren't they going to give him some more time? So it just kind of shows the nature of the beast um, when thinking about European uh, football in general. Um, And I think that kind of like, it's going to be tough to ever see like that amount of stability, like someone like Arsene Wenger, who was at Arsenal for 20 odd years or Sir Alex Ferguson, who had his struggles early on um, in his Man U tenure before he you know, cemented himself as a club legend at Man U. And I think you're kind of seeing maybe in certain clubs where like Man U, for instance, they've been burned by trying to hire the big hires and like the make that huge impact. And they're maybe taking their time with uh, Ole. So it's really interesting to see like the different dynamics with that are going on within each club. Uh, I guess, like, the next kind of question that I wanted to bring up about this situation is, how do you think Mourinho's going to do in this spot? Like, I think a lot of people are very speculative slash, like, maybe a little bit negative on the hire because of his uh, most recent stop at Man U. But what do you think about the hire itself? Um Maybe it comes as a bias from a man, uh, as a Man U fan. Um, but what are your thoughts on the Mourinho hire in general? I think that it wasn't the right move at all. Right. Um, well, let me back up for a second. I, I okay. just want to say, like, I, I, I hate this trend of managers being so, like, sacked so easily. Yeah. There's like zero respect for the managers, right? Zero respect for how the players actually feel. And the overall like impact of players being bigger than the club mentality. And like it's so easy for managers to take on that burden and just like um either leave the club or get sacked. Mm-hmm. And I just I just hate the trend, right? And for someone like Mourinho, I don't know if he's going to last. Mm. Like, to be completely honest, sure, he, he can probably produce the results that 
that he did in Man U, like his first and second year. But people say like winning your third year is always the hardest. Like if you look at like Real Madrid, if you look at Man U, and I think it was at Chelsea, like where he got sacked on his third year. Yeah, and it, right, right, right. So like maybe he'll last another three seasons, and maybe he'll he'll leave or he'll um he'll like you know get sacked again, and, and maybe that's how he'll retire, but. It'll be interesting to see how he, how his football style matches with Tottenham because it's the way Munir plays is like he wants defense first, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't think Tottenham has that squad for Munir to like execute that vision. Right. He's, he's got like aging center backs, the fullbacks that aren't great. Um, you got some players who don't want to play defense, and that was the same case in Man U. But um, so it'll be really—I'll be looking out for Tottenham, and I'm pretty sure maybe like the first six games or so, like they'll win or draw because of that synergy. Uh, they got the excitement for the new manager; they're trying to figure things out, and they want to prove themselves to the new manager. But I think after that, like things might go south, and that seems to be a pattern with Mourinho, right? Um, so, yeah, and I, I think that'll yeah. be really interesting, like to kind of see the first six games. And it's kind of funny enough that you mentioned they have a huge game against West Ham this week, this Saturday, as they're coming back from international break, and then in a couple weeks' time, December fourth, mark it on the calendar. Um, he goes back to Old Trafford <laughs> at Man Man U. Um, so that's going to be fun. And then he also goes um, and plays Chelsea a few weeks later um, back at home at, in Tottenham's new stadium. So that's going to all, it's going to be really fun um, fairly quickly. Um, definitely going to be trying to watch that Man U game because that's going to be like must-see television, in my opinion, uh, okay. just to watch that game. Um, I honestly think the more interesting questions about surrounding Mourinho is whether or not, like what he's going to be able to get out of this squad uh, tactically and like how he's going to set this team up. And he, I I think he's going to probably play like a four, two, three, one just to kind of keep it similar to what um, I would say a lot of the Tottenham players are very familiar with the Spurs, uh, you know, team is very familiar with. Um, and I actually think this team is going to do fairly decently um, to finish out uh, the year in terms of, like, I think he's going to really try to, like, improve the back line. But he has the personnel to kind of have a team that counterattacks uh, really well with Son, Erickson, Ali, you know, you, you throw in Mora in there, things like that. You got Harry Kane as well. So, like, he has the personnel that may – I think his his vision for what he wanted at Man U fits this team a lot better um, in terms of, like, I think he has more to work with, I would say. Um, okay. Yeah. I, I And that, like, maybe the synergy, synergy thing works out, but I think he has a little bit more, I would say, attacking prowess and, like, the way the pieces fit together um, 
are going to be a little bit more convenient for what he wants to do. So I think the question for me to Tottenham is, one, uh, is Mourinho going to get all the players that he's going to want? Uh, maybe this upcoming January transfer window? Right. Uh, or, and I'm know, not ex- summer summer yeah. transfer window? Right. And, two, like, uh, there is, like, a running joke uh, on, like, Reddit and on Facebook whether he's going to try to get Matic and William because they seem to have played for uh, Mourinho, like, at multiple clubs. Exactly. So that's going to be really, I think, funny for me to see uh, because that just kind of speaks to the hypocrisy of, uh, you know, Tottenham, like, not wanting to buy players or, like, the players that Pochettino wanted. Are they going to give him the players that Mourinho wants? Right. Yeah, and I think that's going to be interesting because Tottenham's not known to be, traditionally at least, not known to be one of these bigger clubs that ends up, like, spending a bunch of money and then kind of, like, buying their team a la Chelsea. Um, yeah. They're pretty much known to develop players and kind of develop, like, make those bargain buys like Tonoman or someone like that, Ericsson, uh, Deli Ali, and then really develop those players in 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 their system. So, so now, I, I yeah, I don't know if I like it hasn't traditionally been part of their strategy to buy these players. So I don't know how drastic of a change Levy is going to be able to make um, and give the amount of autonomy that Mourinho wants to like maybe get multiple guys. Um, definitely not in the January transfer window. Um, so right. it's kind of so I, it'll be really interesting to kind of forecast and witness. Well, keep in mind, like they spent a lot of money for that new new stadium, right? Uh, and like, are they gonna have the money, or like is Eric gonna stay now that you know he has a new new manager? Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of a lot of what if, a lot of like, let's see what happens. Um, yeah, it, it's, I don't like the way this is all going, but it's funny nonetheless. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of nice to be like the outsider looking in and like kind of look at all the troubles that are going on with other English clubs, thinking about where Liverpool is sitting in the table right now, atop the table by eight points over surprise, surprise, second place Leicester led by former manager Brendan Rodgers um, of Liverpool. And Chelsea, I think, has also been a kind of a surprise as well, um, kind of with their early season um, snafus and things like that. And they've really kind of turned it on, especially with Christian Pulisic um, being like developing into one of these bigger stars um, for Chelsea, kind of cemented himself with that hat trick when he had that start. Um, so that those are really interesting developments. And then Manu sitting in seventh right now, um, kind of having these like eh, performances. Like their past couple of performances have been like they lost to Newcastle. They drew against Liverpool, which is the only non-win of the year for Liverpool, which is a, which was a great result for Manu, um, where Manu ended up 
leading, and then Liverpool came to tie it. Then they beat Norwich 3-1. Then they lost to Bournemouth 1-0, and then they beat uh, Brighton Hove Albion 3-1. So it's been like a little bit of a mixed bag for Man U, but overall, like since the last time we've talked, what are your general feelings about what Ole's been doing and what you think about the squad? I think they're doing the best they can. Um, and the quality hasn't been so bad, I feel like. It's just the goals haven't been uh, kind of – the goals ha- haven't been coming. Yeah. Um, and, like, once Pogba is back, like, I hate to admit it, but I'm going I'm to be excited to see him on the pitch and see how he fits in and how he's going to be that that missing link from the defense to midfield to attacking um because i think i think like yeah we like we are missing that kind of quality on the pitch as as much as i hate to admit it um <laughs> but I, I don't know like i i'm going to i'm still patient um it doesn't seem like people have any like the players have any issues with with Ole so far, right. so um, it's I guess better than Mourinho's, you know, his latest season. Yeah, I'm do you just, think? Do you think top? So they're sitting nine points off of the top four. Do you think top four is out of the question for them right now? I think I think we'll definitely get as close as like top. Top five. Okay. It'll be tough to break into the top four just because, uh, like, how quickly Chelsea turned around, um, how, like, Leicester's, like, looking like the championship championship team that they were a few years mm-hmm. ago. Yeah, my um, favorite stat about that Leicester, the, the Leicester start that they've had up till this point, they have more points this season in comparison to where they were at during their championship uh, winning uh, season right. three years ago. So that's like a big compliment to Liverpool. Yeah, it just kind of shows how dominant of a run Liverpool's had over these first 12 games. The only, like, I guess good news about, about everything is, like, how Man City seems to be slipping a little bit. Yeah, um, and they've so, had their struggles. Yeah, so it, it's going to be... Like, it's going to be tough to break into the top four, but mm-hmm. maybe we have a chance. Yeah, they they really had I, – I'm not foreseeing it right now unless they get some better consistency, but Man City has definitely struggled. They lost to Wolves uh, the last game before the break. They ended up losing to Liverpool 3-1. There's obviously a lot of controversy with VAR, all that type of stuff. Um, and – Man City's like really struggled to put um, a starting lineup, especially their back line, their center backs um, haven't been able to stay healthy. Uh, Laporte's been out um, long-term, all this stuff about Stones and whether or not he's the guy. Uh, Fernandinho's filled in at center back as well. Um, so the, like letting Vincent company go, uh, like he could have been a vital part of, kind of keeping it together um, 
earlier in the season when they had a rash of center back injuries. And I thought it was a miscalculation on Pep's part in not having um, experienced center backs there. Yeah. I mean, Vincent company, I feel like sure he could be that presence in the locker room, but I'm not sure how much he could have contributed like otherwise. He, right, getting old, he he couldn't play that many games, um, but yeah, definitely needs that locker room presence. I don't know who that is right now. Maybe Fernandinho. I don't know. Yeah, probably Fernandinho. Um, I don't know if you want to rely on Kyle Walker, David <laughs> Silva, David Silva, maybe uh, someone like that, yeah. David Silva, Aguero. But, yeah, Aguero. So they have their guys, but I I just think like like. Vincent Company being like one of their club legends, like he he couldn't be the fourth center back, like like it it was kind of going Laporte, Stones, Odomendi, and then maybe I think Pep thought Fernandinho could kind of fill in at yeah. at that center back position, but like when they're down Stones and Laporte, and they had to start Odomendi and um, Fernandinho, I think he was kind of like, okay, this is getting real, so. There's been a lot of like struggles and inconsistencies on that back line for Man City, but there's been a lot of really other other really interesting stories as well. Like Sheffield United, fifth fifth place in the table right now. Leicester, as you mentioned, second. So there's a lot of like interesting stories as always in the English Premier League. Um, so I really can't wait till the second. I would say this where we've gone through 12 games and basically a third of the way done with this season right now um do you kind of have like do you kind of foresee these top four as they are right now Liverpool Leicester Chelsea and Man City do you see any change to that slash like maybe giving your predictions for the end of the season um I'm not sure if Leicester's going to stay. Actually, yeah. like, big players like Arsenal seems a little iffy, too, mm-hmm. um, as is Man U. Emery's so, been getting a lot of, like, flack, and maybe his potential firing gets yeah, set up for a I'm surprised that he held on longer than Pochettino. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah, I think top four will stay as is, um, the way I see it. Um, but yeah, no, I don't know. Just it's such a wild ride for the Premier League. That's why a lot of people love it uh, outside of outside of England. But yeah, it, it's gonna be really really interesting to see uh, Tottenham's documentary. They're like filming it this season. I think it's gonna be on Amazon. Oh, the um, All or Nothing. Yeah. yeah. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see that one. I'm excited yeah. for it. Yeah, I can't wait till it comes out. Um, yeah, and then I guess, like, the only other thing that I wanted to talk about and highlight is Son, Son, Son min ended up, like, having that red card situation um, since mm-hmm. the last time we talked, and he's kind of bounced back pretty nicely by scoring a couple goals um, for Tottenham. Um it was like a horrendous injury. Definitely not his fault. I thought it was the right decision not to to rescind the red card. Um, yeah. 
I just didn't think that fouls really warranted a red card. Definitely a yellow card, but a red card yeah. just seemed outlandish, and it was more like a results-based, results-based, um, I guess, decision instead of a process-based decision. So I, I thought the English FA they did a good job in rescinding that. Um, I don't think I'm being biased in in that in that thinking Not at all. just because he's Korean, but I I just thought it was a little outrageous at the time. And you know, granted at like at the time, like how could you not think it was like his fault? But I don't yeah. know. Once they slowed it down on replay, they showed like it wasn't even necessarily him that caused the injury. Yeah, I mean, does he still get that yellow though? Does he retain that yellow, or is everything just kind of canceled out? Like that's what I'm curious about. Yeah, I think I'm not. I think the way it works is that he's still credited with the red, obviously, because he was sent right. off, but the suspension part was rescinded. So right. okay. that I think that's the thing. I don't know if that counts to future yellows, though, um, right. later in the year. But um, I just thought it was really interesting, like, the amount of support he got a lot yeah. online and social media through the and normal media that I think a lot of people were supporting him and saying that it wasn't his fault. Um, and, and you know, like, when, like if there's mal intent, like malicious intent, like players, Everton players would have, like, got up on his face, right? But instead yeah. they were, like, kind of, like, consoling him. like So, like, players knew that, like, he didn't mean any actual harm. Yep. Um, so, like, I think that's also, like, played into the cancellation. And yeah, it's it's definitely good to see him like bounce back from that because it's tough to like come back from um, like knowing that like he caused someone's like possibly career-ending injury. Yeah, totally. So it it was definitely a de- I got to see the video. I definitely watched it multiple times. Being yeah. an exercise science major, kind of I was kind of interested in seeing what ended up happening. Uh, the still photos weren't great either. Like the way his yeah. ankle and foot was Pretty like bad. the complete opposite direction of where his leg was facing. So not a great look at all, but hopefully he gets better. Um, I believe he had successful surgery and he's mm-hmm. recovering obviously now, uh, Andre Gomez. So last thing before I let you go, Hedjun, um, was anything, uh, there was, there was a, um, a list that ended up coming out today on ESPN.com um, yeah. on the top 100 players in world football. So they ranked them by position. And um, it was, I thought it was fairly interesting kind of seeing like who they ESPN FC thought um, the top 100 players were the top 10, basically in each position. So they went, top 10 in goalkeeper, top 10 right back, mm-hmm. top 10 center backs, left back, center mid, attacking midfield, wing, forward, striker, and then top 10 managers. Um, so I thought it was really fascinating. They've been doing it since 2016. Um, and guess what? Our boy Son ended up being one of the top wingers um, in the in, within the top 10. Do you want to guess like where in the top 10 he ended up? For, as a winger? I'm going to guess sixth. 
Yep, number five. He was number wow. five in the world. So he has Raheem Sterling, Sadio Mane, Eden Hazard, and Jaden Sancho ahead of him. So it was wow. pretty interesting kind of seeing uh, the people that were in front of him. Um, I think, like, the the forward position and the uh, striker positions kind of, like, you know, we I didn't mention Salah, who was counted as a forward. Uh, Kylian Mbappe was counted as a forward. Cristiano Ronaldo was a forward. So, like, there are some players that maybe, like, within the system, I don't know how they, like, constituted, like, a winger or a forward. But, you know, represent Korean pride right there, uh, seeing Sun Ong Min at number five in the world as a winger. So that was kind of cool to see. Yeah. Uh, and I forgot what I was going to say other than can we quickly talk about baseball? Okay. Yep. Just quickly about about the Astros. Like, I want to get think? your take. What do you think I mean, about all that sign-stealing stuff? I it's It's kind of interesting to me. I think they deserve to get their World Series taken away, their title. Interesting. Okay. So how does the, like, the retroactive, like, taking their title away, it's, like, obviously you know they've won the title, but, like, what justice does it do that you take their title away? You know what I mean? Like, is it real justice if you do it? It's, like, I guess so. But at the same time, like everyone remember, everyone's gonna remember. Oh yeah, the Astros won the World Series. Um, obviously, congrats to the Washington Nationals, our former home. Yeah, it's weird winning the World Series. Like, and I don't want to hear any Washington fans ever complain about not being winners or not having like World Championships. Like you guys are Title Town USA at this point. The the Washington Capitals won the Washington yep. Mystics in the WNBA have won. And then now the Washington Nationals have won, you know, like in five years, we're going to have the Redskins and the Washington Wizards win as well at oh, this God. point. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think if that happened, like we would know the, like the apocalypse is happening at that point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was pretty crazy that the Nationals won the world series. Um, I just thought they looked really good. Like, Obviously, Strasburg and Scherzer were the difference um, yeah. in in the series, and just like basically putting the Nationals on their back. Um, yeah, it was really interesting to watch. Yeah, the Houston, the the Astros, like them, like the sign stealing and stuff. I thought it was really fascinating, like hearing like the intricacies that they did, and like basically recording. Um recording signs and then like basically i think what was it like them hitting a garbage can or something like yeah a with water a cool- yeah, yeah. A water cooler in terms of like them trying to figure like them tipping pitches and stuff like that and obviously those things can help um i'm just curious to see like what the punishment's going to be i don't like i don't really know what the warranted punishment is i could see like draft picks being taken away and like a huge ass mm. fine, like maybe like ten mil five to ten million dollars, like to like prevent it from happening. But I don't really know like what else they can really do. Um like, yeah, and like take, yeah. Taking the like, World Series away seems harsh, but I don't know like how realistic that is. Like what that even means. Well 
I don't know. Like, I, I think all the teams are going to be, I think like, like tipping pitches from the, like actually looking at the patterns of the pitcher and like seeing the difference of the pitches. Like, I think that's all fair game. That's, that's up to the pitcher to like correct the, the, the stance or the mistake or whatever. Right. But like actually using like technology and like cameras to like steal the signs and, and like letting the players know. And they were so blatant about it. Right. They didn't even hide it. I feel like. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think that's like where a line gets crossed. But like, I I kind of agree with you where it's like, oh, if the hitter kind of had like can figure it out, and the pitcher has like a tell or something like that, then every, all that's fair game. And then like letting your uh, fellow like teammates know like, oh, if he does this with his gloves, you know, he's throwing a fastball. Like, I yeah. think that's like fine. And that's like that's like what exciting about baseball right like mm-hmm. uh finding those little like things to make like each play like more bet advantageous to the team but like che- that's like cheating right and they won this world series through cheating right and i'm just like i'm just like come on like you, like you guys shouldn't do that and i feel like the harshest punishment is going to be also like taking their title away but interesting. Yeah, I wonder what the punishments will be. Manfred kind of like played it coy and said like we are waiting for the investigation to fully, you know, find or be done before they yeah. come to any conclusion. So we'll see what ends up happening. Okay, before I really let you go, this is the last last thing and it's baseball related. Thoughts okay. on Carlos Beltran being hired as the Mets uh manager. Um Happy, kind of mystified, like first time manager trying to are they trying to capture like that first time manager magic that's kind of been going around the league? Um I don't know. Uh I don't know how I feel about it, to be honest, because like it's let me think here for a second. Like um like I guess to have, give you some time to think, like he he was a, he's a former Met. I've kind of heard from other people. They're just like, eh, like I mean, like what? Like not like yeah. that. It's a bad thing. It's just one of those things. Like okay, we'll see if this works out. I actually didn't think the Mets like had a bad year last year. Right. Um, I understand. Didn't understand why McCallery was was let go. Yeah, like, I didn't think, like, they really, like, could have performed much better with, like, the pieces they had. Um, It's just, like, they don't have the requisite amount of talent to win any more games, I guess you could say. Like, they had the pitching staff, but the the hitting, like, they, they obviously found something in Pete Alonso, but some of the other ancillary guys, like, come on, like, they... I, I just think it's a little unrealistic with some of the expectations they had. And I'm not sure how much Carlos Beltran is going to like change that because I don't know if they necessarily needed like, and I'm saying this in air quotes, a culture change. So yeah, I don't I know. Think, it's more I of think, a personnel thing for me. I think he's going to bring in a lot of like, I don't know. Like he's a well-respected player. He was a well-respected player. Um, he did a lot for the Mets. 
So he's going to have that, like, sort of that respect from the players. But I think what's more important is, like, like who's going to be his coaching staff, right? Who's going to be uh, the coaching staff for, like, um, for the Mets with, right. with Carlos. So I think indifferent. Uh, yeah. It's, it's like one of those, yeah. Obviously a little cautious. Yeah, yeah, obviously a little cautious, but um, but it'll be interesting to see if he like makes any big changes to the lineup, or like what kind of co- like coaching stuff he brings in with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm totally interested in like how he changes things, and then someone like how Joe Madden, who ends up leaving the Cubs this off season and goes to the LA Angels, who. He's been, like, a really big part of that Angels organization uh, when he was, like, Mike Sosha's bench coach, I believe, and, like, um, helped help that team out. And, like, whether or not he's going to be able to get enough out of, like, Shohei Otani and Mike Trout and those teams yeah. that have underperformed, um, I think have only made the playoffs once within Trout's tenure there. So it'll be really fascinating to see how he does. So, Hedjun, thanks again for coming on to the podcast. It's always good to hear from you, your thoughts, your opinions, especially on the Pochettino stuff. So really great to hear from you. Um, Really great to talk soccer again. So thanks for coming on to the podcast, Hedjun. And uh, we'll definitely be doing more of these. And we'll definitely try to get Tyler back on the podcast. So we'll do a little three-man pod maybe in the coming weeks. So thanks again, Hedrin, for coming back on. I got a girl with a mind on love. The kind of love that is dangerous. It knocks me down, but I get back up. And I'm addicted, I can't get enough.